Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days that after tribulation the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches become tender and sprout leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. And then I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Yesterday I had the chance to sit on the back deck of the rectory here at St. Michael's and take in the sights and the sounds of fall. The trees show their great beauty at this time of year as their leaves change, and they have begun to fall, and soon they will be bare. There was a small squirrel that was burying and collecting whatever food it could find, certainly getting ready for the coming winter. Many burns that we once saw in our area are now far south, maybe even along with some people from our communities or our parish. It's now a time for preparation for the coming winter, a time when it gets cold, there's less to go around, and it's more tempting to just stay inside. As we look around nature, everything is in a state of preparation for winter. Soon, too, the church's readings for this time of year, they reflect a time of preparation. Not exactly a preparation of winter, but readying ourselves to meet our Lord, to face judgment for our lives, and to remember that our time here on earth is brief and also temporary. In our culture, the challenge is that we are taught to fear death and never talk about it. In this fear, we often do not want to even say anything about it, to ignore it, and therefore it never comes up with our loved ones in our daily lives. One aspect of this fear is never talking about something that is so misunderstood currently by our current culture and by many Catholics, that is purgatory. And so I'd like to offer you three myths that are often believed about purgatory and a proper way to understand them. Purgatory in terms of what it is, how it works, and why the church stands by her teaching of purgatory. Firstly, many have come to think of purgatory as a sort of holding cell for a soul as they await judgment for entry into heaven or hell. Purgatory is seen as like a limbo, an in-between phase, in which someone awaits judgment as they wait to enter eternal bliss or eternal damnation. This notion of purgatory is confused, to say the least. When we die, that is, when our soul separates from our body, our soul is immediately judged in a particular judgment. Our soul is deemed worthy of eternal hell or eternal bliss. 
when soul is deemed worthy of eternal bliss, that is heaven, and prepared to do so, the soul of that person partakes of heavenly glory, the fullness of what is promised to us by Jesus. If that soul is not prepared, however, they enter into a state of purification. That process of purification is called purgatory. However, they enter into this temporary state that is indeed just not awaiting eternal damnation or eternal hell. Rather, indeed, they are saved by the blood of the Lamb. But the question is then, what are they doing? What are they being purified of? And isn't the blood of Jesus enough to just get this done? That leads me to this second myth, that many have said purgatory was something the church made up in the Middle Ages, and it's somehow incompatible with the true teaching of Jesus and the gospel. St. Gregory of Nyssa said in the 4th century, he preached and he spoke about the need of souls to, that were not ready to be entering into the heavenly kingdom, their need to be purified. Over our lifetime, there are moments when we become attached to sin. We develop habits that bind us to these attachments, and we need to be purified of them. This does not negate the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, from which all salvation flows. That does not mean either that we earn our love of God, or God's love for us, rather, or we earn our salvation. But what it does mean is that from the earliest moments of the history of Christian believers, they taught that souls only enter the heavenly glory if they are perfected. Those without mortal sin, when they die, are saved, of course. They await eternal glory. But if they still have these attachments, if they're not perfect, then they are given the opportunity to be purified in purgatory of those attachments to sin before they enter heaven. And that brings me to the final myth I wanted to share with you today, is that purgatory is not based in the scriptures, and the church made it up in some time in the Middle Ages to sell indulgences. This also is not true. Of course, if you were to look at the Bible, you would not find the word purgatory. But it's the same exact thing for the word trinity. Of course, Christians believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But indeed, the word trinity itself is not found in the scripture. But this doesn't change our belief or the teaching of Jesus that God is indeed a triune God. Rather, if we open our scriptures, indeed, there are practices of praying for the dead in the Old and the New Testament. And it begs the question, what's the point of praying for the dead if they're already eternally in heaven or hell? There has to be something else. This practice of praying for the dead is found inscribed on the walls of the catacombs in the, where the early Christians would have mass for fear of persecution of the Roman Empire. It's because they would read the first chapter, excuse me, the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians chapter 3, that speaks of being saved through fire. Rest assured, the fires of hell are eternal, and they do not save. But this reference was made as an image of the purifying fires of purgatory, fires as if being refined in a blast furnace, but the soul not being consumed. Again, purgatory is this process of preparation before entering heaven. 
When a soul is saved by the blood of the Lamb, they die without mortal sin, but yet they need to undergo cleansing of the attachments gained in this lifetime before partaking in heavenly glory. This belief dates back beyond the Middle Ages and is found in the scriptures and in the early church writers as well as the believers of the early church as well. What this should compel our hearts to do is to firstly prepare ourselves to meet our Heavenly Father. Whenever we gather for Mass and consume the body and blood of our Lord, we trust that He will fulfill His promises to us. But not only that, we should find ourselves in a place where we are being invited to pray for our deceased family members and friends and members of our parishes. We hope and pray they are partaking of glory in the heavenly kingdom. But if they are not, and they are still among the elect, but indeed they await that process of purification, that indeed through the power of our baptism in Jesus Christ that has been shared with us and is shared with them, then indeed through the power of God we have the opportunity to pray for them, to participate in God's saving and purifying love, that indeed God invites us and wants us to partake of his saving action of all humanity. Take some time this month to visit a grave, to walk around a cemetery, and to pray for others and to pray for yourself. As nature prepares for the death of winter and this coming winter season, the church asks us to do the same, to think about and pray about our own end, and also as well the poor souls in purgatory that are in need of our prayers to participate in the saving action of God in order that they might partake of the heavenly glory after the process of purification is complete. Indeed, when we do those things, we not only think with the mind of the church, but we think of with the mind as well of the early apostles, the early church writers, and also as well what Christ himself intended.